Ed, how are you doing? I'm very good, thanks. Yeah, better than Ashley Young this morning. He's uh, got a grass burn of some sort, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Social media burn, that's for sure. Poor old Ashley Young. He, he just hasn't learned. How many uh, United managers have told him to stop diving now? Is at least two, maybe more. Yeah, two whole managers. And the, the fact that even Cristiano Ronaldo was persuaded not to dive means that there is just something wired wrong somewhere in our ash. Let's be fair about this. Nani has dived on occasion, so has Wayne Rooney, and then Yanazai was booked for diving this year, so I wouldn't say it is rife throughout the club or anything, but there are occasions in which other players do dive, not just Ashley Young. He's just the worst, isn't he? He's an inveterate diver, that's the problem. It's the repetition. It's embarrassing. There are those that would argue for football reasons that Ashley Young being a Man United player is embarrassing. I'm not quite that down on his abilities, but you see him do stuff like that and you just think, well, what is the point? What's the point of football if you're going to win like that, you know? Well, yes, I think his abilities are linked to the invective that has been sent his way, though, aren't uh, aren't they? Because if he was... Ronaldo, people would forgive him. I know this is fickle and this sounds like hypocrisy in action, but uh, I think that's true. And the fact that Ashley Young is so mediocre and his performances really haven't uh, merited a place in the side anyway, and he's a cheating git and he's an embarrassment to the club and brings a whole load of bad press, adds up to the criticism that he's felt. And look, I, I have you know, certainly heard people defend him. You know, if you don't dive, you don't get a penalty and, and that kind of justification. But uh, when Samir Nasri falls over a missing leg of Raphael near the end of the season to win Manchester City a last minute penalty and that penalty gives City three points that wins them the title uh, don't come complaining to me um, I like your what I considered at this point to be a fairly optimistic hypothetical that we were going to be within three points of City by that point of the season well given their performances recently 12 goals in two games they, uh, they've they certainly uh, hit some form haven't they City I mean Pellegrini's an excellent coach he was always going to turn what is a, a very good City squad uh, into a good team eventually it certainly took them some time Moyes has asked for time in fact he's asked for two years I'm not sure that that's quite right but you know fair enough uh, Pellegrini appears to have turned this city side around in five months yeah absolutely we'll see how long this last city had purple patches last season but that is an excellent squad and anyway enough about them because we had a little purple patch of our own albeit it was only 20 minutes but what a 20 minutes it was 3-0 up against the Fulham side that I, I listened back to my description of them I was extremely harsh on them but that's because they're not very good they put the best of themselves forward by the time they were 3-0 down but what an explosive 20 minutes of football led best 20 minutes of football United have played this season I guess though I'm not sure there's a lot of competition there very good uh, inventive attacking dangerous uh, many many players looked like they could score a really outstanding well, first half, to be honest, from United. I mean, completely dominated Fulham. The shame, I suppose, is that it didn't carry on after half time. True, uh, a whole bunch of uh, substitutions did disrupt United's play. I'm not sure it's really anything to do with the substitutions per se and the personnel that came in. And also the attitude, uh, it uh, changed markedly after half time, didn't it? You know, game one, uh, there didn't seem to be the same drive anymore. You know, three injuries at half time is obviously going to shake up a side, isn't it? It's going to make an enormous difference. And the personnel did make a really big difference because Cleverly had a really good first half, didn't he? I mean, we haven't really been able to say that much about him. In fact, pretty harsh on him in the last couple of podcasts. But I thought it was a really good little performance he put together for 45 minutes. 
Right, yes. Uh, and he needs to do it more often. He needs to play games and he needs to stay off the physio table, doesn't he? he I mean, it's really important for him. If he wants uh, any say in uh, in the first team picture and for England as well in the World Cup year, he's got to stay fit between now and the end of the year. If he does, uh, he's a very gifted player. He's too safe with his passing that's the criticism that's leveled at him all the time and, and it is a problem because that's what he's got right he's he hasn't got any great pace he doesn't beat a man he barely ever scores so his passing ability is good he's neat he plays the ball quickly rotates possession but it's too safe uh, for a supposedly attacking player he's got to take more chances he's got to create more for United and and then we'll have a fine player on our hands as it is he feels just a bit lightweight but you know I, I didn't mean that to turn into a criticism of Tom Cleverley <laughs> He's got some. <laughs> you managed to do it. I know, it. <laughs> but what I'm saying is he's got some raw ingredients. He needs to add more to his game if he wants to be a top player. Otherwise, he's just another squad player at United. So uh, that that opening salvo uh, when United got three was notable for a couple of things. One, Rooney and Van Persie combining well together. Been a little while since that happened. Looks like Van Persie's sort of pretty much back in form, although Sociedad obviously missed the pen and a couple of other chances but it feels like his form has kind of come back to life it's interesting in the Fergie book he says when strikers go on a little bad run they feel like they're never going to score again and it really is interesting watching that happening to a striker and it, Van Persie had a little lull didn't he but he seems to be back at it and Rooney was good again you know Got to say it. And Valencia getting on the score sheet and, and also creating one. And again, Yanaze involved in everything. He certainly was, yeah. Had a fine game, which makes it all the more baffling that he didn't play against Sociedad. But look, kudos to Rooney and Van Persie both scored. It's, uh, it's good to see that they're both in there. Maybe it'll stop some of this nonsense talk about Suarez and Sturridge over in the, uh, you know, Mersey dive. And it's great to see Valencia score as well because, you know, he's he's had a rough, tough couple of years, hasn't he? And, and there's um, times that he looks like he's coming back into his best form. There were times against Fulham, he certainly looked like he was coming back into his best form. I, I thought he's, you know, a lot of penetration for a while there. Um, but there's times when he just doesn't look like he's willing to take on a fullback anymore. So maybe the goal will give him some confidence. I don't know. I think we're past that point now um, where one thing is going to bring him back because he's had loads of really good spells of form he is doing the full-on Torres he's you get a little spell of it and it's like oh he's back and then nope self-doubt has crept in again and and that's the dominant truth and you know if you think back to the Leverkusen game he's really effective I can't think it off the top of my head but there was another one uh, where he was really effective um, and he's also had some absolute stinkers it was funny seeing the, you mentioned the Sociedad lineup. Seeing that lineup, and it was just like, oof, that is a real could go either way lineup with Kagawa on one side and Valencia on the other, Fellaini and Giggs in the middle, even Chicharito and Rooney up front. There's awful. And then, like, uh, Rio, the way Rio's been playing lately, Chris Morning at right back. Like, if all that goes wrong on the same day, you, you really are going to be in trouble, aren't you? Yeah, well, and I thought Fellaini and Giggs was a car crash waiting to happen, to be honest. Got Giggs who. He's so in and out in terms of playing in the centre of midfield, often gives the ball away. Fellaini, who historically gave the ball away a lot, he's not doing that at the moment because he doesn't pass the ball more than 10 yards. I'm, I'm literally, literally hating the word literally, but literally mean it. It just doesn't go further than 10 yards. He's so safe. I mean, about 60% of his passes are going sideways and backwards, even more in fact, sorry. Barely a penetrative ball tried at all. And no drive from him either. But yeah, hey, 
I'm off on another rant there, which I didn't mean to do. <laughs> All right, come on, Ed. Just just give us uh, a minute or so of something you've enjoyed, like undiluted, not with a butt or anything at the end of it, out of the football in the last week. Well, there were three goals to enjoy. That's true. They were very enjoyable. They were good goals. Yanazai's performance against Fulham presumably enjoyed most of the way through. It, uh, look, it's, he's great to watch. He's, uh, you know, he's a, he's a young kid who's really enjoying his football and, and he's blossoming by the game, isn't he? You know, he just keeps growing. He's We've seen uh, an awful lot from him this season, you know, ability to beat a man, ability to find space, passing ability, wonderful three balls he's played, goal scoring, not not a lot of goal scoring, but some goal scoring. He can play off the right, he can play off the left, he can play through the middle, and he's got uh, the opportunity to, to build a, a you know an outstanding career, of course, you know, very, very, very early days still, isn't it? You know, he's played, what, you know, eight or nine games or something like that, but uh, yeah, enjoyed that performance, enjoy it whenever he's on the pitch, if he's on the pitch which he wasn't uh, in Spain I wonder if one of the reasons he wasn't in Spain was because one of the Fulham players tried to kill him that really upset me that did the Sasha Rita the Fulham right back here you all know this of course stamped on Yanazai's ankle at the end of the game and it really it makes me feel a little bit sick thinking about it because it's one of those where it's so unprofessional to do something like that it's such a disrespectful thing to do because you've got a kid here with all the promise at the world at his feet and you could ruin his career you know it's not an exaggeration if you're stamping on someone's ankle if that breaks he might never be the same player again I, I, I don't quite get the mentality that you know it's funny talking talking about Ashley Young's dive and obviously the condemnation that goes with diving which I, you know I I'm all for I, I I don't I don't like diving but the there almost isn't enough outcry when you see footballers be violent towards each other yeah, well, that's right. I mean, sometimes you need a little bit of perspective and, and that really was sickening because he deliberately stood on his ankle. I mean, the, the ball was quite some distance away. He took the opportunity. This this wasn't him slipping and misstepping and accidentally treading on him. He stomped down with the intention of hurting the player. I mean, he, he's got a three-match ban because uh, the FA have, have uh, changed their rules about reviewing incidents in matches like this and, and were allowed to review and uh, justice was done, I suppose. But, you know, a lot of people will say that three matches isn't enough given the severity of, of what he did this is football being reactionary again isn't it because uh, if if he had actually broken uh, Yanazai's ankle you'd think the uh, punishment would be a lot more but you know the intent was there all the same yeah absolutely uh, we did have one moment of joy from that which was the finally the answer to what does Marouane Fellaini do was answered when clearly the 27 million pound bouncer stepped into action and uh, he gave any anyone that would listen to him what for did Lee after that he's sticking up for his little mate ah uh, yeah well, I said a little while ago that if Fellaini wants to win some brownie points while he's not playing very well he, he ought to put in a few reducers and, and you know be the evil bastard that I've talked about a few times before well if he's not going to do that getting in the way of another evil bastard is, is good enough for me you know so brownie points there to Fellaini he did alright as well coming on as a sub for, for the second half uh, you know neat and tidy with his passing again didn't do an awful lot but you know there you go one player I did want to mention who had a very good game against Fulham was uh, Nemanja Vidic in the heart of defence I thought he was excellent again both in terms of his distribution from the back and marshalling the defence I know he didn't have an awful lot to do in the first half but the second half when Fulham came back into it I thought he was the man that held it together when it could have gone very wrong yeah absolutely and of course another thing noteworthy and worthy of praise uh, unsurprisingly because it's always like this but uh, United's away support at Fulham which um, away support is pushing it a little bit more like 
like away support and Fulham have got a neutral end not entirely sure that neutral was an accurate description of the neutral end in that game lots and lots and lots of United related noise from kickoff to full time uh, and I'm really, really hoping to get to be a part of that for a game uh, later this season. Fingers crossed. I always feel a bit of a cad trying to get away tickets because there are definitely people who are more worthy of them, if you know what I mean. But anyway, I want to go. Gary Neville has been spotted in the uh, way ends now and again, and he's not part of the loyalty part. No, so. Definitely not. If it's good enough for Nev, it's good enough for me. So that, that was Fulham and United kept in touch with uh, the leaders in the Premier League. Still eight points behind Arsenal with uh, that massive game coming up on Sunday. My God, you know, it's certainly not a title decider, but it might um, lengthen the odds somewhat on United winning the title if, if Arsenal come to Old Trafford. But we'll talk about that in full later. Another game in the week and United had the opportunity to uh, qualify from... Group A in the Champions League and failed to do so in a very odd game. I'm not sure what you made of this one, but for a match that United completely controlled and never looked like losing, but rarely looked like winning it either. It was a, it was pretty much a snooze fest. Uh, yeah, do anything nice this week, Ed? Get up to anything interesting? There was some paint. I watched it dry. Uh, yeah. And then I thought, that'll probably do a better job than Fellaini in the middle of the park. No, no, didn't mean that. I had um, chips and beans and salad for tea yesterday. That was really nice. Oh, and a Holland and Barrett pretend sausage roll thing. That was really nice too. Essentially, what I'm saying is that football offers not much in the way of excitement and things to talk about. What a terribly dull game. Is Holland Barrett a, a Manchester United sponsor? I mean, everyone else is these days. The official vegetarian snack food partner of the Rankcast. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It was, it was all right for 10 minutes after Rooney and someone went off for Young and RVP and you had Young on the left and RVP in front of Kagawa. Shinji looked great for five minutes, which is a shame that you can't say it was a bit longer than that. But what a five minutes it was just leading up to the winning the penalty and there was some crackling football and he cracked the post and then cracked it again uh, from the pen. And I think missing that pen killed off any chances of that becoming an exciting game because that really was the only bit where it was good, that 10 minutes. Well, yes. I mean, it was pretty dire all round. I thought, you know, United kept the ball, but it was, it was, uh, there was not a lot of penetration there. Kagawa got a lot of the ball from the left and, you know, he did all right there. It's very hard for him to really influence the game. I mean, I think someone mentioned on Twitter, well, how come Yanazai is able to do it? And well, fine. Uh, I just think if you buy a specialist in a position, you play him in the position, you know, otherwise he's just not going to be uh, what you hope him to be. And I was glad he had a good spell. I mean, he played okay. I think for most of the game against Sociedad, I, I thought he played very well in the last half hour or so. And I'm glad he did that because he didn't really have a very good game against Fulham. And, uh, you know, I thought he was quite poor, actually. And this is the thing. There's um, those of us who are a fan of his style of play and think he's got some talent about him and really want him to play. We need him to play well when he gets a chance because uh, otherwise uh, David Moyes will lose some faith. Interesting note against Sociedad, how much him and Everett got the ball. I mean, he got the ball a lot. I wouldn't say they did a lot with it uh, and they did pass it between each other quite a significant amount. And, you know, a, a very nice move wasn't there in the first half where Kagawa played a sort of reverse pass into Everett who put the ball across and the shame there wasn't a little more of that I think and but it's difficult for Kagawa what does he do does he cut inside which is his natural game on occasion he actually went on the outside tried to put in one cross with his left foot didn't he that's definitely not his natural game one of the other problems is that his, uh, his real talent is in the transition isn't it and he's just not getting the ball in areas where he can uh, influence United on the break like that I've seen a lot of well Yanazai can do it why can't Kagawa and it's just such a silly argument it's like you know Chris Morney's a good centre-back he's not a good right back 
back. Nemanja Vidic probably wouldn't be much of a centre forward, you know. Angel Rangel's not a great goalkeeper. Got a great name though. He has, and he did make one save outfield player in goal, highlight of the footballing weekend. It's an odd criticism to level at him. Why isn't he good on the left wing? Because he's not a left winger, you crazy people. He's a number 10 and we don't really play with him as a number 10 very often. And whenever we have done, he's changed the nature of the game every time it's happened. Every time it's happened, there's been a spark. Yeah, and that's what he does. You know, he gets the ball and he makes stuff happen. And uh, it's just a pity that he doesn't get the ball in the right areas when he's playing off the left. I, I don't see a future for him at the club. Honestly, I think the way that Moyes wants to play uh, and the fact that, um, you know, Rooney is is uh, being buttered up all over the place. Uh, I don't think Higawa will get much of an opportunity in that, that position. He'll play off the left and he, he's got to try and work out, out how to do that. But I'm not sure he's going to give Moyes what he wants, which is you know, width and crosses. He's going to drift inside and okay, you know, people say that Stephen Pienaar did that as well at Everton and that's true, but they had Leighton Baines there who delivered an absolute ton of crosses, which again is what Moyes wants. And and the real problem with Kagawa playing off the left is that he just causes United so many defensive problems, you know, and I think that will break in the end and I think Moyes will end up reverting to someone who's a bit safer. Uh, I don't. I think that Moyes is going to develop a 4 2 3 one mentality over his time at United because he realises that's how to get the best out of the creative players he's got and uh, it's going to lead us into a period of lovely attacking football and when I say think you might want to delete that and put desperately hope but slightly suspect is not the case uh, it's interesting actually that Neil and Sosia dad because I'm sure Moyes would actually be quite happy with that given his level of experience well inexperience in the Champions League win the home games draw the away games he's not going to have a problem with that the problem is that you can't really be drawing the home the away games against bad teams and get away with it because Sociedad they're not like a terrible side but they're in a terrible state and actually it was kind of the same in Shakhtar where I think I feel like we made Shakhtar look good Put it like this, Sociedad have had a really tough start to La Liga. They're just tying some form now. Leverkusen didn't have a brilliant start in, in the Bundesliga, although they're up to third now. And Schachter had a really bad start because they changed a lot of players, you know. So we found three decent sides, but not even nearly at the top levels. Three third-ranked sides, you know, in European terms. So we got very lucky. Uh, I don't think we should, uh, you know, make any bones about that. And, and I think... It's going to be a lot, a lot more difficult in the knockout stages. Depends who we get, of course. Depends about the results over the next couple of weeks or so. You know, assuming United get a point away and three at home to Shakhtar, following the pattern, uh, then United will finish top and, you know, presumably will get a slightly easier draw in the first knockout stage. But it's, you know, it's going to be a level up, definitely. Anyway, back to Sociedad. Some, you know, in a very dull match, some uh, interesting things to note. Patrice Evra had a fantastic game. I thought he was brilliant. He got the ball loads. He bombed forwards uh you know he was incisive i thought Vidic again at the back was outstanding Ferdinand had his best game for a while as well you know nice to see those two back wasn't it I thought they were very solid and even Ryan Giggs in midfield was all right that's two in a row well no actually not two in a row because he was brilliant last time we played his centre midfield so he wasn't quite brilliant Fellaini was all right I was so annoyed with Fellaini for getting himself sent off though that was like it was the 89th minute you great big lug what are you doing we've got a midfielders dropping like flies left and right we're not going to win this game so we're nowhere near assured of qualification and you're getting yourself banned for the rest of the group stages I mean 
just so unprofessional. Yeah, dumb, but that's what he does, you know. I, I mean, I, I, I honestly, I'm so frustrated with this guy. You know, £27.5 million, pounds and um, the stats look okay, don't they, from Sociedad? The stats say that about 90% of his passes are accurate. He got the ball, well, I'm looking at it now, 80 times. He made a couple of tackles. He won all his headers. You know, that looks okay, right? I think he had um, one interception or something like that. Uh, fine, but in that game where United were on top, actually what we needed from midfield was some real drive. We needed someone running ahead of the ball. We needed someone helping to create chances. We needed an extra body in attacking areas because United were overloading all the time. Uh, and he didn't do any of that. Uh, I barely saw him get ahead of the ball at all. And, uh, you know, you kind of think classic water carrier, but £27.5 million pounds worth of water carrier? I don't think so. I mean, we know, I, th- I feel like we should just drop the whole subject of the price tag because the most ridiculous thing about Fellaini is the price tag. It feels almost unfair to kind of use that as a yardstick for his performances because the price tag was inflated by executive incompetence. It was a ridiculous price to pay for a player of that quality, you know, so... Well, there you go. Let, let's uh, let's drop that. We'll, we'll call him seventeen and a half million pounds, and and then he's in the Ashley Young sort of camp of price tag, and and then we can just admit that he's a bit mediocre, like Ashley Young. It was interesting that this whole thing about dominating games, because there's this little group of people that hate Michael Carrick, and what they always say is that we always get dominated in games when Michael Carrick plays, and we look better without him. I think it's I don't know. I think it's weird, but it takes different strokes to fill the world. Yes, it does. You know, it, who knows? Maybe they're right, and I'm wrong but whatever Uh, but it was interesting that we kind of dominated possession but we dominated it uselessly kind of an exercise in futility to just have Fellaini knocking it to gigs and back again and well as you say Ever and Kagawa just swapping the ball for a bit but then there was that little period we got the chance where Robin hit the post Chicharito should have uh, scored just before just after half time shouldn't he he had a, the kind of opportunity which is this like who in the whole entire world would I want this opportunity to fall to that guy oh he skied it over the bar so it was kind of a weird game we really should have won that game yeah should have gone I mean three three excellent chances there and, and you'd expect them to you know well, at least one of them to be taken um Sashid had also created a bunch of chances, right? So let's uh, let's not forget that they uh, they're not playing very well. They've got some, you know, pretty average players. And if they could finish better, they might have caused United some trouble. They didn't, but other teams would certainly will. They'll they'll cause United lots more trouble. And I don't think United are going to be able to be so passive in matches against better sides. So they'll be found out. And and Moyes is going to have to find a plan B. He's got two extra group games, which should be okay. It should be okay. I don't imagine it's going to go disastrously wrong from here. But he's going to have to find another plan if United are going to cause any damage in the knockout stages. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I don't think Sociedad had a single chance as good as any of United's three best chances, but they did have some decent chances. Uh, Shame to see Robin miss the pen. I don't think there's much to be read into that, really. The young thing, I mean, lots of like, oh, there was contact. (laughs) Well, many, many times during the day, I make human contact without falling over. You know, it's like, just because you touch another human being does not necessarily mean you have to fall over. That couldn't have been more of a dive if it was done by, I can hope you're getting what I'm leading up to, Ed. The momentous moment of the week, easily was when you were tweeted at by the one and only Greg Luganis. Famous busy mates with Greg Luganis now. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, you know how uh, the uh, official Twitter feed of uh, United at Man United retweet if Wayne Rooney was man of the match and uh, put a picture of Wayne Rooney. And uh, I've taken to uh, 
corrupting their tweets with uh, various sponsors. So uh, I think last week uh, you had to retweet if Baxel was sponsor of the week and there's been Kagomi and Mame and Mr. Potato and stuff like that. Uh, instead, I, uh, I asked people to retweet if uh, Greg Laganis was man of the match and uh, it got quite a few retweets. And he asked, uh, who is hash MUFC? So I did explain and he seemed very pleased about it. He said namaste to you, which I thought was one of the most beautiful things that's ever happened. Since you have been, I say this as a person, I believe we watched the Greg Luganis incident happen in real time together. You have not stopped referencing that your entire life. That is like fully one of your go-to references. That Greg, it had a, a clear definitive impact on you, that did. So I'm like, I was really, really delighted to see the universe come full circle and Greg Luganis get involved. Of course, we know that at Jack K. Holt is the king of corrupting uh, Man United's um, Twitter feed by just every week, different picture of John O'Shea. Retweet for John O'Shea to win Man United's Man of the Match. Pictured this week with Roy Keane, who uh, is is going to be the new Ireland assistant manager. Odd one, this one. I know this is a digression, but I, I can't help but talk about it. Roy Keane, assistant manager, doesn't quite feel right, given his personality. Assistant manager to Martin O'Neill with Ireland. Can this one possibly go wrong? La, 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 Kido. That was my reaction to it. You know, in the West Wing, when I think it's when McGarry and Santos are running together and somebody says they're worried about too much heat on the bottom of the ticket. I can't help thinking they should be worried about there being too much heat on the bottom of the ticket in this one. All the media focus, understandably, on uh, Roy Keane. But I have to say, once again, ITV lucked into massive Roy Keane related stories happening on the day when they had him in the studio as a pundit. And they also had Martin O'Neill. So it was really lovely to see that. What was so nice to see was just how happy Keane looked. I, You know, he was grinning at all the little jokes and stuff and just he looked really deferential towards um, Martin O'Neill I don't know it just it's like this thing that seems like it's a recipe for full on crazy mega explosion disaster could actually it's so crazy it might just work calm before the storm mate this is this is the bit in the universe where it's quiet before the uh, you know the star implodes on itself and turns into a black hole of utter shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who, who knows? But you know, if they if they want motive, I like to. Uh, Martin O'Neill said he's bad cop and Roy's bad bad cop. <laughs> That's good. That's a really good line. Very nice. Well, look, I hope they do well. I mean, uh, Ireland have been slipping down the rankings, haven't they? And. It makes it tougher and tougher to qualify for a tournament each time. And, um, you know, even a an old master like Trapatoni couldn't do much with the talent they have on offer. So I think it's going to be frustrating frustrating for Roy Keane. He probably had more talent available when he was manager at Ipswich, and that says something. You know, Trapatoni was such a disaster for Ireland. I mean, he got them to the World Cup, which was pretty miraculous, but then abandoned hope all ye who enter here, you know. So I'm sure, I mean, obviously, Keane is an incredibly, do- I work for a, a charity that works with people in the Irish community in Birmingham. So I put a thing on our Facebook page and like just got invective from both sides. It's a it's a very, very divisive issue, Roy Keane, in Irish football, obviously. But anyway, uh, good luck to him and good luck to all those who have to work with him as well. Uh, I think it's going to be exciting times. Talking of exciting times, should we do some Twitter questions before we get on to the Arsenal game? Let's do some Twitter questions. Okay. Um, oh, uh, important sponsor news, by the way. There's going to be a clean sweep of the uh, sponsor of the week for the foreseeable future because Unilever are the official laundry partners of Manchester United in Southeast Asia or something like that. 
and uh, a rank cast listener at centre midfield has direct family connections to the people that orchestrated that deal so uh, I'm hoping that we, that means we get some sort of tickets to the Champions League final when we get there under Moyes or something mm. well Roy Keane's been one for washing his dirty laundry in public hasn't he so you know let's hope none of that happens under the Dave Moyes regime yeah so of course it's our ex-manager who uh, uh, has been a bit quiet no really major Sir Alex Ferguson related stories in the course of the last week sort of miss it a bit really we record this on the I don't know 150th anniversary of him taking over at the club or something like that alright so uh, because the football was so terrible uh, for a lot of this week got a couple of non-football Twitter related questions before we get into it at Master Oogway asks if I'm team Michael or team Trevor team Franklin obviously Michael and Trevor are both terrible blokes at JJ Carly says what song would you like Shinji Kagawa to sing for you I'll go with We Are The Champions Yep, yep, uh, why not? That seems somewhat unlikely. Yeah. I think bye-bye, baby, you know? Oh, no. At Domno Zahik, Domno Zahik, I reckon, asks, are soap operas a populist hyperbolic nightmare or a subtly real representation of daily lives? I think, as with the question, is light a particle or a wave? The answer is both. I don't watch them. No. Unless you call Manchester United a soap opera, because there's normally some drama going on. Well, what with Unilever at the helm now? There'll definitely be a soap opera. At Happy Hero says, seeing as we've just had Guy Fawkes night, what's the best firework? I like the ones which sort of sit on the ground and like shoot up a pyramid of light and colour um, and they don't fly off into the sky, but they like look like a kind of firework Christmas tree. That's my favourite. Yeah, ultimately they're all a bit useless really, aren't they? They just kind of fly around the place and, you know, make a few loud noises. And some pretty colours. Until you said the pretty colours thing, I thought you were heading for a Wayne Rooney gag. Ah, no, I, I wouldn't do any cheap gags on this show. No chance. At Busby MUFC says, uh, this is honestly not a United-related question, he claims. Who do you rate as the best manager in the world and why? Best manager in the world? Mr Ferguson? <laughs> I don't know. Best manager in the world? Who knows? There are, you know, mer- merits for many of them. Obviously, Guardiola won a ton of trophies. Looks like he's going to do the same at Bayern. Finally got them playing really well. Klopp, I love just because he's fun. And uh, and Mourinho uh, does nothing but win all the time. Uh, Ferguson, of course, he's still the master, even in retirement. Absolutely. I mean, I have no idea. I think it'd be hard to argue that it's not. Probably it's Guardiola or Mourinho, probably, right? Who knows? Carlo Ancelotti's a really good manager, been successful everywhere he's been. Some people might even vote for David Moyes. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> I don't think anyone would say David Moyes is the best manager in the world. It is dead weird. It is dead weird not having definitely the best manager. That is a really odd feeling. Should the song for Adnan be Sunday, Monday, Yanaze, Tuesday, Wednesday, Yanaze? Yes, yes, definitely. Somebody then said something along the lines of the weekend comes and he scores goals for you or something. Anyway, it was better than that. At Jay and Essex came up with, uh, there's a star man on the left hand side. He plays for Man United and his name is Yanazai, which I like in theory, but I don't like the fact that he says he plays on the left hand side because I don't think that's his long term position at United. So you're going to run into a situation where your chant is factually inaccurate and we don't want that. Uh, talking of factually inaccurate chants about Yanazai, at Fulham they were singing, he's a Belgian, a midfield Belgian, Adnan Yanazai. Which, good chant, excellent, except for the fact that he's not really Belgian and he may or may not turn out to be a midfielder. So 
I think Sunday, Monday, Yanaze is the clearly the easiest way to go. Mind you, not to be a pedant about nationalities, but he was born and grew up in Belgium. By heritage and all of that, there, there's definitely some uh, some debate. It's, it's you know, if he doesn't think he's Belgian, then he's not, you know. Yeah, I don't think he said... No, he's not. He hasn't said that, but I'm just saying... Mind you, he did say that my dad will decide for me, so yeah, there you go. Perhaps we ought to ask Yanazai's dad, Mr... Senior Yanazai. Pretty sure he would just shout the word Kosovo at you over and over again if you asked him. Talking about centre midfield, he says, why doesn't Paul ever have time to play Borderlands anymore? And that's because of Grand Theft Auto V. We, uh, many Rankcast listeners know that that's the reason. <laughs> well, we've had two questions about this subject. At Sir Kona says, what is a Denny but- Butner and why does it keep showing up on my timeline all of a sudden? Also, uh, somebody says, at Big Shimmery Wall, of course, uh, a great question again from at Big Shimmery Wall says, now that they've gone their separate Twitter ways, which Bootner brother will have the best solo career? So there was a weird situation that happened in the United Twitter world where Alexander Bootner, for some reason, shared a Twitter account with his brother, Denny, and they used it to post selfies of each other, which seemed to be the thing that they like to do more than anything else. But they've split up. It's a, a Twitter parting of ways. So now at Butner Brothers is just Denny. And Alex has got his own account. It's all a bit suspicious if you ask me. Well, it's a bit dodgy because they've just got Denny a load of followers he never would have had in the first place. Mind you, the unfollow button will be uh, rapidly hit. I I'm not sure how many selfies of Denny Butner I can take. To be honest, I was running out of the capacity to be able to take the number of uh, Alex Butner selfies that were being presented to us. But, you know. Yeah. I mean, he, he's a man who's got uh, far more followers than talent. A bit like uh, Emmanuel Fringpong. I don't think anyone's actually seen him on a football pitch, have they? But they they know he's a, an Arsenal player from Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, this is well controversial, being as we are, you know, out of town reds ed but at abic patel 90 says balm muffin or bread roll listen i ain't touching that with a barge pole <laughs> i know this is a very important subject to the people of manchester so i'm just gonna quietly put butter on me bread roll and shut up i like a butty myself <laughs> yeah fair enough okay at bifurcated underscore mufc says we have adnan made of velvet fellaini made of paper and rio for the silks what other materials cause, could we mine from our players? Mm, there's definitely some glass in the, the Silver Brothers. Yes, clearly. Uh, there's, there's, you know, there's some steel in the Manjavidic, I'm sure. And of course, pure gold in Robin Van Persie's finishing. Right. Bit of fool's gold in, in Anderson, who, you know, nice and shiny, but ultimately totally worthless. <laughs> and some sort of animal fat based product out of whatever comes out of Wayne Rooney. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just disgusted myself. Paul's lost the run of himself. Uh, I think he's talking about some kind of blubber or lard. Really. He, he's quite, yeah, looking quite svelte these days, unlike Anderson. Although not, not that we've seen much of Anderson recently, thank God. <laughs> um, all right, uh, last and perhaps most important Twitter question. At United underscore Carolina says, what is your favourite non-domestic mammal? thought a lot about this since I was asked this question earlier today and very big honourable mention to all the kind of awesome, cool, cute monkeys of the world and orangutans and apes and all that. Nothing against you, lads. I've got no problem with the big cat family. Me and Emma, we're cool. To be honest, it's heartbreaking not to pick the giraffe because of my undying love for the the big tall fellas. A serious runner-up hat tip. But in first place holding it down for their sheer massiveness, sense of wisdom, and great big long trunks. It's the elephant. No way to talk about Anderson. Shall we move on and talk about some football? No, not until you've picked your favourite non-domestic mammal. I like an iguana. There you go. That's not a mammal. 
<laughs> Did you say mammal? I said you said animal. No, 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 no. I said mammal. Yeah. Well, you know, a bear then. Awesome. All right, now we can move on to talk about football. What an enormous test lies ahead. I mean, you mentioned Arsenal earlier in passing, and I think, respect to where it is due, the start that Arsenal have had this season has been really genuinely impressive. People keep saying that they've not been tested yet, but like they've played Spurs, they played Liverpool, who've been playing very well and beat us, obviously. I feel like they have actually been tested to some reasonable degree and they don't look infallible by any means, but they I think it's a mistake to say they don't look good, right? Well, right, look, they, they lost a couple of games recently to Dortmund at the Emirates and uh, Dortmund, uh, you know, get, turned them over. I, I know it was 2-1, but they, they were pretty superior. And, and also to Chelsea at the Emirates. So that seemed to have derailed their season. They hadn't played a lot of decent sides before that. And then they play a couple of sides in decent sides in rapid succession and, and lose both of those games and people start muttering. But they've played some really good football this season and not just really good in the uh, the silent orchestra, as Jurgen Klopp called them. Uh, you know, I think they've been pretty penetrative and you know Ramsey's had an outstanding season Giroud looks like he's finally turned himself into a striker of note and Ozil has been directing things from midfield you know looked like a luxury player they didn't need but but he's certainly sparked some life into them I mean those are the three you'd pick out as being the outstanding players for Arsenal this season and they have really been outstanding and they've got a lot of firepower that could cause United trouble on Sunday and they've been dominating teams and I feel like we are really vulnerable to being dominated at the moment you put a really effective midfield unit together against United and United are going to be in all sorts of bother and my kind of biggest hope for this game really is just that United are super up for it whenever I think about times when I've not expected us to beat Arsenal I always go back to the game where we ended their inverted commas unbeaten run their unbeaten run if you're selective about the competition that you're considering and we just looked like we just wanted it so desperately badly in that game we just looked all kinds of up for it and I wonder whether Moisey will be tempted to stick Phil Neville in the centre of the park to do a job he could still do it surely yes I'd say that was realistic if only he was registered in the 25 and not ancient but hey there's another test for Moyes isn't it you know Arsenal playing so well exactly how do United set up and play I mean Moyes is committed to playing two up front isn't he in, in Rooney and Van Persie wouldn't dare move Rooney you know, out wide or anything like that would he because he'd be getting a transfer requested in the morning so United will set up basically in a 4-4-2 and you know Arsenal could well outnumber them in the centre and midfield as a result and you know you'd predict that Arsenal will keep a lot of possession at Old Trafford and, and uh, you know the question is who do United play at the back given how well Ferdinand and, and Vidic uh, played I, I guess in Spain and Vidic has been excellent in two games but that's two games in a week uh, he might be struggling do, do we revert back to Johnny Evans Phil Jones in which case there's a mistake waiting to happen you know you probably do because Arsenal are extremely mobile in the forward areas and, and that's where United are weak at the back but you know if I, if I was to guess the pattern of the game I think this time round uh, Arsenal will keep a lot of the ball I mean United have got a very very good record against Arsenal in recent years and we, we've dominated both possession and the result I mean, really only one poor result in the last sort of six or seven uh, hasn't there but this time round you'd expect Arsenal really riding the crest of the wave and, and United not quite doing that to come and take the game to United interesting thing about United you know it's eight games unbeaten now uh, and in that time sort of you know, four or five wins so you'd say that's good form but it's really quite rare that uh, there's been good football what you know 20 odd minutes of good football in the last 180 uh, yeah maybe maybe half an hour if you sprinkle in 10 good minutes against Sociedad and it was a good 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 period of play against Norwich at some point near the end of the game but yeah you're, you're basically right I mean I 
I tell you what I would do if I was a Manchester United manager. First of all, I would immediately ring the board and resign and ask them what they thought they were doing, giving me the job. But assuming they didn't accept my resignation, I definitely would play Phil Jones between the lines. I would play, it might seem like it's a defensive tactic, but I don't even think it is particularly defensive to sacrifice a forward player for a bit more control in the centre of the park because we're going to really struggle to get the ball to our forward players, I think, in this game. Which forward player are you going to sacrifice? Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to literally sacrifice Wayne Rooney. Um, no, I, I, he wouldn't be there at the club if I was in charge in this hypothetical situation. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you've, you've got to drop one of them, you know, um, whether you play very narrow or something like that. But I think if you have Jones between the between the lines of defence and midfield doing that job that he did on Ronaldo and then weirdly he kind of had a practice run doing it against Fellaini didn't he and he's really good at that so I mean I I would be really tempted to stick him in there to to break up Arsenal's transitional play you know because if we play Rio and Vidic we're just inviting so much pressure from those like three interchanging players because Arsenal really are playing a 4-2-3-1 so you know that you've got to do something about that three otherwise it's really going to be problematic and I, I think I think he'll play Evans to go out to the ball and you know but then there's space in behind and either way I have to say I'm not particularly optimistic about this game but if we can put it all together we've definitely got the the weapons to cause Arsenal a load of problems because they're not great at the back are they? Yeah it's the central midfield that's the problem I mean they'll effectively play five through there they don't really play with a lot of width you know Cazorla's been playing sort of off the left hasn't he and Ozil through the centre and, and uh, Ramsey and Arteta will definitely start and the the other spot is open I mean Riziki has, has played quite a few games this season doesn't necessarily mean that he will against United I think if I was going to pick one that might drop out it'd be him but that's an awful lot of players who like to play around the centre uh, even if you play Jones in there you can spot some trouble I mean uh, what are we talking are we talking Carrick Fellaini and Jones as a triumvirate there it doesn't sound like a not a triumvirate that's going to kick Arsenal off the pitch not one that's going to outpass them not one that is going to be more mobile uh, than Arsenal central midfield yeah this is one of the reasons why I think Arsenal keep a lot of the ball and I think United might be forced quite deep in which case that isn't a bad scenario for Vidic and Ferdinand if United are defending the box they can do that you know it's still as good as anyone there it's it's on the turn and as you say in the transition that they uh, have a real problem and it, it really does depend on what kind of game that Moyes expects and how he sets United up I don't think he'll drop Rooney I think there's no chance of that I think if, if Jones did play in midfield which I agree there's an option there um, I think it's Kagawa who will drop out and uh, and he'll keep Valencia for his pace and his ability to defend to me that seems like a really relatively sensible approach what I don't think there's been enough talk of is Phil Jones as a libero I'm no football hipster but doesn't that sound like a brilliant idea definitely not libero dropped out about you know, the tactical thing about 20 years ago so so, yeah. yeah, I know. Bring it back. If we, we've got a player with the full skill set to do it. I just want to give a quick uh, shout out to at Darren Richman, who uh, was complaining that we never answer his Twitter questions. And I realised this this week, the reason we haven't answered it is because we'd already answered your question by the time we got to the Twitter questions bit. So just shout out, you know. Gotta to, got to keep the listening base happy, haven't we? Has our number one fan at Typical City uh, asked us a question this week? No, he hasn't. He he said he's never asking us a question again because I said he'd had his one. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll make sure he listens now he's had a mention and he'll have to listen to the whole show to get to it. It's his revenge for all them, them mean questions over the years. So I guess we've got to predict a scoreline against Arsenal. I, I mean, you know... You can definitely imagine this playing out in a whole bunch of different ways. I 
I I have a sneaking suspicion that United's players are just going to be really, really, really up for this one because this is this is you know it's an affront to them for Arsenal to be coming to Old Trafford as probably favourites at the bookies. You'd think. How long's it been since that happened? Quite some time. What do you think? What do you? What's your instinct about the way the game is likely to play out? I think United will struggle in the centre of the park, and I think uh, Arsenal will keep the ball, and then the rest is in the details. And, and Arsenal are scoring freely this season, so you know, yeah, Hart uh, says United might just get something out of this. Uh, you know, especially in the superior front two still superior to Arsenal's front one you know and it kind of depends on and you know who's really up front who puts in some big performances I suppose but you know logically Arsenal are going to come and keep the ball and and you know should win as a result but hey I can't predict that I don't think I've ever predicted United gonna lose no no I, I really literally can't remember that happening I'm sure it must have happened once all right so are you gonna predict a draw then I might Mark Lawrenson who if you tally up his his predictions on the BBC football website uh, has Liverpool winning the league with 175 points <laughs> for the last six seasons in a row and United have never won a trophy under the evil remit of Mark Lawrenson that's right I, I think and uh, you know take everything I just said into account when I say it'll be a two all draw <laughs> okay great I am going to predict a two ah, I can't do it alright I'm going to predict a two one win to Man United and if you think oh, I'm, hey come but, on you Reds <laughs> if you think I don't sound entirely sure you might be right but hey everyone's entitled to their opinion so look you know I think I think Fellaini will put in a knee high reducer on, on Mesut Ozil get away with it because the referee hasn't seen it and uh, Ashley Young will dive our way to victory Come on. Um, no. What a nightmare scenario that is for moral-minded idiots like me. Um, all right. So I guess that brings us to the end of another episode of the Rankcast. Will we be back this ne- this time next week? There's an international break, but I feel like we'd, we've had so many international breaks this, this time. We should just keep rolling and do a Twitter question special or something like that. Hell no. Yes, we'll be back. Why not? Uh, we, we've got all the fallout from the Arsenal game to discuss. Uh, will United be five points behind the Gunners or 11 here's a question for you okay. if Arsenal do win at Old Trafford on Sunday can United win the league I mean I think that's an absolutely brilliant question and you think that the problem is it's not just Arsenal right we'd also it's, there's the, there's three teams that you think are in the realistic running for it that are currently ahead of us on points because you've got to think that City are going to I mean you know I don't think it's gonna. They're gonna win seven nil every game for the rest of the season. But they're absolutely on fire at the moment, and they've got a hell of a squad. And I think a really good manager. So they're gonna be devastatingly. They're definitely gonna be a factor. I don't know how you write off Mourinho, although because you know this time last week the narrative had flipped. Right, Chelsea had beaten City, Chelsea had beaten Arsenal, and then Chelsea go and throw it away against Newcastle. Mourinho said he made eleven mistakes. I think first one was not accepting the job at Man United. The second one, number two, is not accepting the job at Manchester United. Ah. I mean, sorry. He wasn't offered it, was he? Yeah, not Ferguson, being offered Ferguson it is why I actually meant rather than not accepting it. But anyway, it's astronomically difficult for United to win the title this season if we beat Arsenal at the weekend. So I think if we lose and we're 11 points behind Arsenal at this stage of the season with two teams in between us and them, how do you realistically say United are likely to win the league? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think uh, 11 points difference and uh, it's gone. 
Yeah, you know, I know, I know, I know it's um, very, very early, and United have recovered from better or worse positions. Sorry, but uh, I don't see it. Uh, given the the nature of uh, the team, United would have to take a lot of risks and win a lot of games. And I think we're going to end up drawing a lot of games because we don't take risks. And that said, I think there's a very good chance Arsenal come to Old Trafford and win anyway. So. This could be it. We could be we could be writing off the league in November, just like we won it in whatever it was, February last year or whatever. Well, look, and we can enjoy the rest of the season if that happens. No pressure. <laughs> look, I, of course, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope that United beat Arsenal. I hope um, some of the big players put in big performances. I'd love to see Fellaini prove me totally wrong and put in a dominating performance in midfield. You know, all these little men running around him. Uh, perhaps he can show us he really is United's Yaya Torre. I'm keeping, I'm keeping a straight <laughs> face here. Uh, I didn't manage it. I couldn't manage it. You know, maybe, maybe Moyes will have a brain fart and uh, he'll play Shinji Kigara in whole orchestrating things and he'll play Kagawa, uh, Rooney and Yanazai behind Van Persie and United will just have too much craft for Arsenal and you know, Carrick will have a massive game and the old stages at the back will clean up everything and, and De Gea will pull off uh, you know, five miracle saves and that, you know, hey, it can happen. It's definitely going to happen. That is definitely what's going to happen. Yeah, I said, yeah, you've got me pumped, Ted. I'm excited. Huge thanks to Tom uh, on production duties again. If you uh, want to get hold of us, you can get me at UTD Rankcast. You can get Ed at United Rant. You can get us both or more likely neither of us at facebook.com slash United Rant. Have you been there this week, Ed? Have you looked at it? Nope. Nope, me neither. <laughs> Keeping up our 100% run. Go to unitedrant.co.uk where there's a bunch of fantastic articles by a variety of really good writers also if you want to help with the costs of bandwidth any help much appreciated in that regard because lots of people listen to the show and unitedrant.co.uk slash donate is a place you can chuck a couple of quid in if you want to help with that sort of thing otherwise we'll see you next week because international breaks are for wusses see you then bye